Thank you so much for listening to Out of the Box Podcast, guys. I really would love if you could show your support and help us grow. Download the Fountain app on iOS or Android and follow us Out of the Box Podcast and start listening. You can share your thoughts on the episode by sending a boost. It's a little payment with a message and see what other listeners have to say or create clips of your favorite moments of silly stuff I'm saying or like really cool guests. Getting started is so easy. You can get your Fountain wallet, add some money with a bank card. Oh, and you can earn money too by just listening on the Fountain app. It's a no-brainer. Visit fountain.fm to learn more. Hi guys, you're watching Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. I am so excited to have a very special guest, an opera singer and CEO of a new company, Sula Parasitis. Sula, how are you? Nailed the name. It's impressive. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm actually in Athens, Greece. Like speaking of long Greek names, I'm in Athens, Greece right now. Uh, and it's nighttime here. So that's why I'm a bit like slightly <laughs> in the dark one side of my face. But I'm doing well. And I was just, I was just saying before we went live that like. Oh my gosh, I've been full on in opera rehearsals here in Greece. And so I'm like very much wearing that hat right now. And I, I just pretty much came from rehearsals right now before I came to talk to you. Okay, well, you look fabulous. You have a posh, oh, posh on the spice vibe going on. <laughs> um, so you are the CEO of a company called Living Opera from yes. 30,000 feet up. What is the elevator pitch? What is this? Oh my goodness. Well, uh, it depends on who we're talking to really, because we do several different things. Um, one of our main verticals is education, online education for emerging opera singers and artists in general, just to teach them about entrepreneurship, how to have an empowered experience in their career, no matter what their discipline is. So that's one kind of one bin of what we do. Um, another one just, uh, very practically is like hands-on training with the artists as well. Um, we do a lot of writing and a lot of content production, media production, um, but probably the most relevant for our conversation is producing classical music NFTs and classical music inspired art collections uh, that we sell as NFTs. And our, our main focus right now is a collection called Magic Mozart that is based on Mozart. That is really amazing. I think that's one of the biggest use cases for NFTs and cryptocurrency is empowering artists to monetize and productize themselves. I know, you know, it sounds like such a, you know, capitalist, you, you know, um, thing to say, but I think that's really important because artists have been taken advantage of for so many years and not being able to monetize their own artwork. So that is a really big thing. And I know that entrepreneurship and art is sometimes at the opposite end of the spectrum, but it really is just learning to promote yourself. And that's one of the greatest tools is using NFTs to um, be able to own that music or that art. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I think it's sort of a, it's definitely strange. So, you know, during the pandemic, I, you know, all the stages were closed around the world. And so it was sort of like, you went from one day having this active singing career to absolutely nothing. And we had already been creating content for living opera, but actually thinking about it as a business and how we were going to go full on into entrepreneurship. Um, I never had a problem thinking of myself 
as a small business or, Hey, you know, my, it's not, I mean, it sounds awful. My voice is for sale, but it's like, no, it's the whole persona. It's the whole package. Uh, you know, what you bring to the table, et cetera, when you come to a production. Um, but there's definitely squeamishness in the arts community in general, when it comes to looking at yourself that way. And I was even talking to a, a colleague last night saying, Hey, like you need to have a website. You need to, I mean, there's a basic things like you need to have them. It's not optional now. And I hope like during the pandemic, you realized that this isn't optional for you. We all have to take care of our, our digital identity as much as our, you know, real world identity. And, and I think that that was definitely underscored during the last three years, but, um, you know, I, I think um, the idea, and it's it's a really silly and old idea, is that somehow if you're business savvy whatsoever, you're not a serious artist, but I think it's the exact opposite. If you know you're world-class and you know you can make an excellent contribution through your art, well, goodness sake, like you need the infrastructure around you to distribute that fully. I agree so, with you completely. I do think that that's an outdated conversation that a lot of people people think that if you're have an artistic mind that you can't have a business savvy mind and I think that also comes from a lot of self-worth issues you know I know a lot of artists that are like oh I just want a manager to handle it for me I don't want to handle it and that's a very disempowering place to be because it's a place where you can get taken advantage of and I think a lot of artists have been taken advantage of in the past and so something that's really amazing about the internet and about this new decentralized world that we live in is you don't need to go through a huge agency or a huge management. You can find your following and your and your fan base in a way that was not available to anyone in the history of the world before the internet. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I mean, literally, it's like um today at rehearsal. I said, would everybody be in agreement if we just took like five minutes to create some exclusive content to promote our show? Like, let's just do it. And what I didn't know is that some of my colleagues had actually been watching some of my more comedic, like social media reels and things like that. And I was like, oh gosh, you know about that? And, and the, you know, <laughs> kind of, it was disconnected. They're like, oh yeah, we've been following, we've been watching. And I was like, do you want to be in one of them? And we had so much fun doing that. And so to me, like we're promoting our show through something a little bit out of the box, a little bit comedy, you know, a little bit unexpected, but it's making the show more relatable because I mean, we're basically, you know, this opera that we're doing right now, it's based on Greek tragedy. It's a super old story. Everybody in Greece knows the story. So how are we going to put any sort of spin on it? Okay. Well, we have our, our production, et cetera, but it's like stuff like that for artists, just to feel like I am free to actually create because it's hilarious to me, especially in the fine arts, how there's so much like so many confining attitudes that say, well, you know, if you're an opera singer, you can sing songs and you can maybe go to the symphony, but you could never do comedy on Instagram. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Just another way to make what I do relatable to somebody who went never come to the opera. They might come now because I put myself out there. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just about distancing yourself. I, 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 when people say they definitely don't care what anybody thinks, I'm like, how? How do you actually do that? Like, because I, I can't say that that's true for me. It, it hurt, it's hurtful when somebody is, is unnecessarily cruel or vehement towards you. But but I think there are ways to just like take the plunge and be courageous. And, um, and I think when you do, there's a group of people where you're going to bring delight into their lives. And um, 
I just know like through my through my social media, which is very unusual. I'm bringing this up so much because it's very unusual for opera singers. It was very unusual for them to use social media to to create any sort of community online, and that's how we actually built our living opera community for the tech company. But um, and at first, people thought I was kind of crazy or weird for doing that, and maybe even making a little bit of fun. But when I've taken breaks, I will get messages saying like, "You can never take a break again. Like we're relying on this. This is like changing our lives. This is making us." you know, excited or, you know, it's, it's inspiring me or whatever. And it's giving them a laugh. And I just realized, you know, things are really hard for a lot of people. And so if you've been given any sort of platform, or you've built any sort of platform, you do have the responsibility to think about how you're impacting others. And I think that's sometimes something that I, I, I feel that I see lacking, um, in, in every community that I'm part of, but I, I, I mean, I've been in literal conversations within the web three community, where the focus is solely like on the bottom line, how are we going to make money off of this? And I'm like, well, hang on a second. Like everybody here wants to make money, but how are we first going to be impactful? Because I believe if we seek after those things first, like the money's going to come. Like we don't, you don't have to necessarily worry about that. How are you going to actually change somebody's life, you know, and get that testimony. And yeah, that's kind of what we're, what what we're building with our community. Um, How are you going to do that? And that is what's going to give your project longevity, you know, and I think we're seeing all that backlash now from everything that happened in 2020 and 2021. Where people are like, Oh yeah, but what's the actual utility of, of that NFT that I bought? Like, okay. So what does that actually do for my life? You know, besides I have an expensive JPEG now, like, and, and I think it's our responsibility also as creators to really think about the value that we're adding with all of our digital footprint and especially with a new technology that people think is scammy or they're, they're reticent to get involved in. Um, it's something that I think about all the time with, with everything I do, but particularly sort of forging this new path where you're taking like this old art form that everybody thinks is boring with this new technology that everybody thinks is a scam. And it's like bringing to, like, this should not work. But I think it does because we're being mindful of the lives we're trying to impact. Okay, you said like four or five things that I wanted to address. <laughs> I need to say it before I forget. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Get along, run on sentence. It just goes on forever. <laughs> so one of the first things you said is I think people need to be mindful when they've been given a platform. And I think that the wording is that in that is very unique because even like the way you worded it, you said given a platform. But now we're in a society where you don't need to be given a platform. You can create your own platform. And that's the yeah. difference between the old world and the new world is, is you, if you want to spread, you know, opera or spread art or whatever, you don't need yeah. to wait for this, you know, giant, you know. No, no, and I, I agree with that. When yeah. I say that, what I'm thinking about is, it's true. Um, but the community that we've built they've given me space to speak into their lives. If they suddenly decide like, we don't want her voice in our lives anymore, they do have the power to eliminate that part of, of what I'm doing. And I'm mindful of that because I don't take it lightly to think that any person, even right now, the fact that you're taking time to talk to me, I just don't take that for granted. Um, I honor that because I just, I think that it's amazing. I just meant to say we're anybody... living in more of a permissionless society where you don't need yeah. permission from people to be authentically who you are. And I think that's yeah. amazing. So no, I was just, no, no. I was just, so... yeah, bringing attention to that wording. Also, um, you talked about artists being kind of 
scared or to share or whatever. And looking at it from a point of view of spreading opera, you're talking about the old versus the new. And so yeah. this is a chance to bring something old to a new generation of people yeah. and inspire them. And it's kind of, it's really fun. It's like learning. It's like rediscovering something because there is a whole generation of people who are not into opera, who are right. not aware of it. And so having um, these online personalities and having these monetizations and these NFTs is bringing it to a new generation. Um, I love that you mentioned NFTs being possibly scammy. I actually think that that is the biggest negative stereotype about crypto and, and NFTs and all these things. I don't know why there's so many amazing use cases that there's such negative news around well, crypto and NFTs when there is so much positive innovation happening right now. Yeah. When I look up my crypto news for my um, Crypto Kitties podcast and other things, I have to dig and dig and dig and dig to find one positive story. And I think that's a huge injustice in the mainstream media that they're yeah. really focusing on these scams, which are 0.001% of what's happening totally. right now. There's totally. platforms being built for artists. There's platforms being built for creators, for digital online. And I think it's just really amazing. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And then finally, I wanted to address... Um, you talking about web three and talking about things like that, because I think a lot of the scamminess is from people not really understanding what's happening in the crypto space. Yeah. And the idea that, um, you know, every single person is on this <laughs> every single day for Mind hours and hours. Yes. Yeah. The younger generation <laughs> constantly online, because I hear a lot of people saying, Oh, web 3.0, it's never going to take off web 3.0. It's just this you know, the something that tech companies are trying to push. And then you see your niece or your nephew and they're like this, right? <laughs> like all day long, you know, with their VR goggles on or whatever. So it really is the future. And I think people don't understand that it's not just the web. It's actually like discovering a whole entire continent because it's a whole different um, universe of things that are happening on here. I can connect to you in Greece. Do you know how futuristic and absolutely amazing this is that we're even on a Zoom call in a different country? This is, you know, oh, it's in, in the movie Back to the Future, this was their idea of the future. Literally. Literally, I mean, yeah, was being on a video crazy. call. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, like, I, I've got, like, core living opera community members that I've still never met in person. Yeah, that you have a relationship with through living opera. Oh, my gosh, have yes. a relationship with probably on a daily basis. So we're yes. having these... We're becoming as big as the world gets. We're actually becoming smaller and smaller as a community. And it's amazing because you can find your people, whether they're in Greece or Los Angeles or New York or wherever. No, it's, I love that. I think it's so amazing. And I'm always blown away. Um, I'll just go on my Instagram. That's, that's kind of like where we congregate and meet currently. And I'll just, from time to time, just ask them like, Hey, you know, where are you watching from? And just like, the continents, the list of countries, and and the fact like that we agree we're we're a community like we we care about these values. Yes, we're all classical artists, whatever, but we're focused on life this way. And I I just think that that's mind blowing, and I love it, and it makes me encouraged because um you know um it is it is frustrating. I mean, there's even some stuff happening here here in Greece. Uh, within the fine arts that I'm still learning. I won't, I won't say details, but I'm still learning about like what the heck's going on, but what I've heard so far, it doesn't sound good. So it's, it's, it's strange to think that while, um, 
you know, there's all this connectivity happening on the web. Um, it's also seemingly getting more challenging for artists. And if we could just convince enough people about, you know, this world and how it can expand. I mean, like, you know, we want to bring opera in the metaverse. I think that would be amazing. And I am sure we could get, you know, 20, 30, 100,000, maybe a quarter million people watching, you know, with the, with the right strategy and the right campaign behind, uh, you know, an opera production in the metaverse. I think that's like wild enough that people would, even just for the fascination factor, want to attend. But it you're is also, interesting. You're also bringing access to people because if totally. you have an internet connection, you have access. Opera and, and fine art tends to be a very elitist thing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, that's not untrue. I mean, like in, in Europe, it is more government funded. So that's different. And in the States and other places, it's private. It, it's interesting. Every place is its own thing. Um, but I don't bring more access to people and, and having it and having more access to people that might not have access to it. Totally. I've been to the opera. I've been to other things. I went on, you know, student tickets when I went and yeah. The regular tickets were two, three, four hundred dollars sometimes. No, I mean that's it's beyond. Yeah. So that this is something that is mind blowing. If you know, if you believe in equality at all, if you believe in equity at all, this is leveling the playing field for access to art and culture. Totally. Totally. I mean, it's no, I mean, like it's literally one of my dreams as we get our projects going to, you know, enable through the Living Opera community to just, you know, buy up a block of tickets for our community and through NFTs or or a different mechanism and say like if you're an nft holder living opera you get to come to our show uh, because we've made sure that this section is is made for our community because it's just it sounds like an obvious thing to do but it's something that does not happen and i'm like wouldn't that be a cool perk that if you have a magic mozart nft it's like oh yeah well wherever sula is singing like yeah I, I get to go because i because i'm a holder and it's like Imagine obvious. Having, imagine having someone in the Congo watching your opera performance. Listen, I <laughs> want that. Imagine I want someone, that. Like I, I, imagine I, someone I, in, in on an island watching with internet connection watching your performance. That is mind blowing, and I think people, totally. like I said, when I, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, like I said, the scammy stereotype of of NFTs and, and other crypto because these are the things that Web three can create in the metaverse for people and it's it, I think if you're if you're not kind of up to date with what's happening it's so easy to say oh well it's just a financial scam or something oh, totally I think people ragging right. on me yeah. you know for, for doing this but I was like look um we went through a whole pandemic and I saw basically zero innovation from the sector so you can make fun of me and and or just say this is dumb or you can get on board. The worst thing that happens is our plan falls apart, which I don't think it will. So what's the issue here? Well, let's talk about your backstory as an artist and entrepreneur. Okay. <laughs> so we can get a little um, peek into your life and how you got involved in this. And you said, so it was, was it during COVID? Uh, gosh, well, uh, well, my artist life started when I was a child, you know, um, I, I'm sure some people here can relate because their folks probably like forced them to take piano lessons or whatever, but <laughs> that was I was one of those ones who was like, I want to do that. Like I, I, um, started doing classical music when I was five and, um, so really like, yeah. Oh yeah. I was like really serious about it. Super serious. And I was just always attracted to it. Like, just like, oh, what is that? And I was, I was just drawn to the sound. And so I started as a, a flute player 
and then I was doing classical drama. So, you know, not, not just plays and stuff like hardcore, like Shakespeare and I was stuff. Say I don't know, like, know what a seven-year-old I was, but I was, <laughs> that's what I was into. So it's like, whatever. Um, and I started doing opera when I was about 14. So, um, this has been kind of my whole life. Um, and, but there's always been this interesting thing in my life where it's, it's like when everything aligned and everything came together, then there was like a new thing that happened. And so even in my operatic career, I, I tried to follow like a set path that never worked. Not ever. I ended up being discovered in a living room in Berlin, Germany, you know, after doing all like the, the right things you're supposed to do. So, okay, fine. And then from that living room, I was launched into an international singing career, which is just totally wild. Um, um, and it's kind Amazing. of similar with starting living opera because, um, I don't know. I mean, I think we can, I think human beings love to have a plan. We like to strategize, we like routine and all of that, but just sometimes life comes and disrupts you. And so all the time, what it is, right? <laughs> so, so in this case, um, living opera started because I just saw this massive lack of transparency within the sector. And there was no place specifically to talk about performance anxiety. And that's something that I thought, well, this stinks because everyone I know is going through this. It's really detrimental. I see it ruining careers. I've got colleagues who are burning out after five years because of the pressure. And we're not supposed to talk about this, you know, allowed, like, how does that work? So it started with just creating content that was like, not complaining, but just saying, Hey, this is what you're going to go through. You need a strategy to handle this, Explaining, you know, kind of yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, and you need a team and don't be ashamed if you want to go see a therapist or, you know, don't feel worried if when you go to an audition, you blow a couple of them, that's normal. You know, like just nobody was saying stuff like that. And I was saying it in 2019, which is like kind of recent. It's not like so long ago. So it's kind of scary to think that the sector was just doing this. And then finally in 2019, like we decided to, you know, start a YouTube channel and, and go live on Instagram and Facebook and just use what we had. And is your YouTube and Instagram living opera? Yeah. Um, Instagram is under my name, Sula Parasitis, and then uh, our YouTube is living opera. So, but in terms of getting into blockchain and web three, again, that, that, you know, that wasn't my plan. I don't like, I don't like to, I don't like to go into domains and to do stuff where I don't feel like I can make a relevant contribution because it's like, I, I would hate to like come into a space and tell people how to do their thing. It's like, I don't know. I know what I know. So um, in terms of like web three um, during the pandemic, we launched living opera as a small business, but the aim was just to do like online voice lessons. We have an online course for artists to do live master classes, which is super fun. So it's like we had folks from all over the world joining like in Zoom. It was wild. And we had a couple of those on the YouTube channel. Um, then it's like, okay, we did all of that. Well, that's just amazing right there. So yeah, well, no, I mean, this, I mean, it was so cool though. It was, I mean, it's amazing. And, and able and, to and... teach people all over the world. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I've been, I've been teaching, you know, I've got a couple of long-term students in Croatia that I've actually never been in the room with them, but I a hundred percent believe in them. And, and, you know, and, and they helped me too during the pandemic. Cause it's like, you know, we had this consistent time where we were going to meet, you know, when the world was in chaos and so lacking in structure, it was, it was great. It was not only great for them, it was great for me. So, um, yeah, just like that living room in Berlin. It's like, I had another living room in Berlin kind of moment 
where I met our current COO and co-founder Christos on an online call. He emailed me because he's Greek too. He's like, Hey, you're Greek. And I'm Greek. Like, you know, I haven't met any Greek people on this call. I was like, Oh yeah, that's neat. And we found out, you know, we have a ton in common and, um, He's like, oh, you have a, like an ed tech company. That's neat. And I was like, what's an ed tech company? I'd, I'd never heard that term before. You know, I just, to me, I was just like, oh, I have a logical place for the students to come and book voice lessons with me. It's like, I didn't know the terminology. I just was doing what felt like the logical thing to do. He's like, this is what an ed tech company is, girl. Like, like, let's, let's <laughs> this go. Is what you're doing. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but he started to tell me about blockchain and NFTs and crypto. And again, I hadn't, I hadn't heard about any of that. I didn't know any about any of that. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds really cool. And I mean, these NFT things, I mean, if they really can empower artists financially, like I definitely want to learn more, but I want to make sure we can authentically enter the space and not just like jump on the bandwagon. Cause that would be dumb. So, um, I noodled on that for probably about a year. Um, trying to find the entry point. Um, at the end of 2021, we went to NFT NYC and then to Art Basel. And I loved the spirit and the energy and everything I felt there. I was like, man, this is awesome. People are so like alive and optimistic and excited. And I feel that same kind of excitement that I felt when I started my performing arts career. And I haven't felt that since. So I'm going to definitely like follow this trail. And so it ended up that Christmas, I was actually like alone on Christmas because of COVID stuff and like weird things happened. And so I was like, well, this stinks. I guess I'll just like work, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, and so I remembered as I had a list of things I wanted to like check out after having been to these big conferences. And one of them was even just like, what does generative art mean? What is generative art? Like, I don't know what that is. And so I Googled that and then the name Mozart popped up in my Google search results. And I was like, shut up, what's this? So I went down that <laughs> trail and I found out that Mozart had actually created this generative music game in the 18th century. And it was like this game that people played at parties and super, super like fun and just, you know, low key, like nothing, you know, not a big concerto or anything like that. And I was like, what the heck? This is, I mean, first of all, that's so Mozart because he was a crazy guy and just awesome. And like, you know, he would, he, it, he definitely would be like a huge social media star today. Like definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> like literally, he'd probably be like a DJ or something. But anyway, um, <laughs> so the electric like, no, literally, I mean, no, I mean, like he's, he's so funny. You have to read his letters. His letters are hilarious, but he's also like a really, he had this like really soft and beautiful side too. Anyway, but, um, I was like, oh my gosh this could be our entry point into web three. So we started to like think about how could we use him, Mozart? How could we use this game that he created? And, you know, what would the utility be? And so the first iteration of it kind of like, we hadn't quite hit on it. I feel like now, I guess, gosh, like a year later, I guess, almost a year later, we, we did a soft launch in September, but in terms of like, starting the project till now I guess it's about a year yeah yeah oh my gosh a year wow <laughs> I just I just I see the day here it's like February 24th yeah um our plan is to issue so we have about 6,000 NFTs that are Mozart NFTs they're all original artwork they're beautiful they're really cool each one tells the story of his final opera the magic flute um, but embedded within it is music that's actually composed on the blockchain from the game that he invented. And so there's unique music with the unique artwork. So just from an art standpoint, I'm already really proud of the project and think it's really beautiful. And that was like my first entry point into this space. 
Um, and just like side note, as an artist, like I did a lot of debuts with Mozart's music. So this felt very natural, like, oh yeah, sure. It makes sense that Mozart would be our entry point. Um, it's so funny. You're I telling me about your backstory and you're telling me all this stuff. And I don't know if you believe in this, but it sounds like almost like this is your life's purpose. Like this was always meant to happen from the very yeah. beginning. Oh it's no, I, I totally, I totally okay. do. I, I, I'm so, oh no, I'm like I, if you go on my, on my social, like you, you see, like I'm always telling the students and followers, like you're here on purpose and for a purpose. I tell them that like all the time, because I think we're also really um, in a, in a hopeless era where people really don't feel like they have meaning and purpose in their lives. And they're not even sure why they're here. And I, I see you as I like truly a tree. Huh? I see you as like a tree and like all these branches are coming out and it's like, here's the opera and here's the classical music and here's the NFTs. And I just see, I don't know. I just, well, as you were talking. Is it I cool thought, to cry on this podcast? Would that be okay? That's no, no, I, I listen. Like that's, that's what I'm seeing. As you describe it, I'm seeing this tree with all of these branches grow and, and like a self-actualized being. I don't know. I, I didn't mean yeah. to get super spiritual. No, no, no. That's listen. I, I thank you. Firstly, thank you so much because that's really, it really means a lot. Um, Cause I, you know, I remember it wasn't so long ago that I also was like, why am I even here? Like, what is the point of my life? And I, you know, really, really wrestling with that big time at the start of my career, you know, literally, you know, I was on one of my first jobs, big prestigious job, staying in like a fancy hotel, you know, like it's a good job. And I was so miserable in that moment. And I didn't know why I was just like, why, why are you not happy, ma'am? You know, you just, you just been flown <laughs> around the world. <laughs> No, like literally, like you're singing a lead role in an opera you want to do. You're in a fancy, beautiful hotel. I think like the toilet like flushes itself or some crazy stuff. Like, I mean, like it's like literally that level. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, eh. And, and, and you're getting paid well and you're doing what you love and you are super sad and not making sense. And I, you know, and remember like it's hilarious, but I was like even looking at that time for some reason, okay, and this is like 10 years ago, I was looking for like MBA programs. And I was like, I don't know why I thought that was going to be the solution, but it's like some of like a stirring, like knowing that there was something within entrepreneurship or business that I was meant to do, but I didn't know how to like marry the two of them and didn't know how it was going to come together. And it was funny too, by the way, because I tried several times to like take like, you know, another degree or go into business school or do whatever. It's like, it would always get blocked or something would happen or something wouldn't work every life time. Like this way. And Literally. And then, but no, but now I hear, here I am anyway. And the funny thing is, and I'm just so grateful because it's like the, the, where I'm lacking, where I don't have the knowledge or the skill or whatever I need, it's like the right person has, has come in and they provide that thing that I can't, that I can't do. And I didn't have to go and spend $50,000, whatever it is to get it, to get an MBA. I just had to be me, as you said. And so that's part of what I feel like is our messaging you know, like the umbrella of living opera is like, you are literally here on purpose. And it's just, you know, a matter of time and the right people around you to, to sharpen that and to, and to draw that out. And I just, I, cause I, I think each person there's gold in each person and there's, there's, there's something beautiful that every person's meant to contribute. You know, we happen to do it through art, but you know, when I see one of my, you know, uh, co-founders, beautiful research papers, and it's just like, so well thought out. I'm like, wow, how do you do that? Like anything excellent is fa actually, interestingly, we were at, um, 
we were, we were in Miami recently and we got to meet Gary V and he said this to me too. He was like, uh, and we're not like friends or anything. I'm not trying to be like, Oh yeah. Gary. No, but it's like, we, we just met and talked for like 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I asked him a question and we started just chatting about life. And I said, I'm an opera singer. Have you ever been to the opera? He goes, I actually have. And I think opera is fascinating, but I said, you know what? I think anything high level is fascinating to me. I'm just mesmerized by watching somebody in their wheelhouse. And I was like, that's it. That's the thing. It's not about like being the best at something in the world. It's about finding your thing where you shine. And that is fascinating to other people and it contributes to their lives. And so, you know, that's, that's, um, for everything we're building, you know, like the, the NFT for us, it's just, it's a mechanism to get funding to artists so they can go on the next step of that journey. That's really what it's for. And isn't that kind of like what business is too? It's like you provide value to somebody to make their life maybe a little bit easier, a little bit more convenient. Um, I don't know, a little bit more beautiful or something. And then they get back on track and finding their purpose. And I, I really think for all of us as entrepreneurs or artists or, or whatever we do, that's really, I mean, I think unless someone's got ill intent, that's really what we're trying to do with everything. Isn't it? Sounds, as, like, as people? Yeah, it sounds like you have a very purpose-driven message, a very purpose-driven company and a very purpose-driven life. Okay. And yeah, just, I got chills when you were telling your story. I really felt like you were born to do this. And that was, it just, <laughs> I don't know you. I I'm going to want... run through the streets of Athens after this. I'm just I just want to... the podcast guests to know I do not know you. We're not friends before this oh, podcast. No. We can be. You we can, can just, be. You can just call me but I'm saying that <laughs> just hearing your story, I really feel that this was your purpose in life. Like, and, and I feel that about a lot of things in my life. And I think as things unfold, I was atheist for many years and now I've become very, very spiritual because every bad thing that happened in my life led me in another direction that was actually better. And so it's kind of like what you were saying, where you're like trying to get this degree and then it didn't work. And then, but this happened and this happened. And so I think if you're open to the flow of life, life will push you in the right direction. If you have that, that purpose and that energy and that positive intent, um, I would actually love to talk to you for another few hours, but we have to wrap up. <laughs> um, no, so no, no, but uh, no, it's, it's more... an honor and a pleasure. And I guess that's really what I want the audience to think about. It's like when they close their eyes and they think about, you know, what is my purpose? I, I would love to put a little bit of my own advice on that. Think about who you're called to help and to serve and your purpose will be somewhere in the intersection of what you love and that people group. And then you'll start running because I know for me, I thought my ultimate was singing. I had no idea that it was going to be singing and, and with, without, you know, the, the folks that we're trying to impact, you know, even just coming back and doing this first, this is one of my first really significant job since the pandemic first week I went back in that crisis place. I'm just being really honest because I was like, Oh my God, I'm back in this room again. I'm like, what is this for? What does it mean? Cause I've been in this living opera world where, you know, I was like, we're doing all this impactful work, but then I was reminded, well, first of all, you can be kind and, and gracious to all this room of people that you're with. But beyond that, this is the basis from where you're teaching duh and I was so like, okay, if people right. are a fan then they can find out about this mozart nft uh magic mozart and, and yeah. support. 
And if people are artists, then they can check out Living Opera to possibly yeah. get training or learn about totally. spreading their yeah. wings as an artistic entrepreneur. <laughs> Definitely. And we're, you know, um, we're expanding and we're looking for ways to, to help as many people as possible. We're also looking into how to work with schools and um, have a possible project in, in New York with some kids. And so, you know, that's that's sort of what's on our our heart but yeah if anybody wants to get in touch with us um i mean they can just email us just hello at livingopera.org um and of course living opera website is livingopera.org and i think magic mozart is mozart.livingopera.org i think so but i think that's right um so you know we have lots of different things um but yeah i mean the stuff that i mentioned to you in these websites by the way they're just like under a, not even a year old and i'm just sort of like going like whoa this is crazy like what's what's going to happen next so maybe the next time we chat i'll be like well you know this happened um cuz we're just trying to stay open and like i said we're trying to bring joy and a sense of of true purpose to people that are willing to to do that kind of digging and soul searching and and uh, it's not easy but it's certainly worth it. Um, I know, I know it has been for, for me and for the team. So amazing. Well, we'll have all the links to living opera and Sula stuff in the show notes below, if you're watching on YouTube and if you're listening, then um, you can check the, out all the links on out of the box podcast.com. Um, Sula, thank you so much for spending time and sharing your amazing company with us. And hopefully you can help more and more artists reach their highest potential and, also introduce opera and fine art to audiences all over the world. I can't wait to hear what you're up to in another year. Thank you so much. And that's our goal. And I just realized, yeah, it's going to be audio only. So all y'all in audio, you didn't see all my emphatic arm movements. <laughs> that's okay. We have audio and, and visual. So people can see you on YouTube or on Rockfin or other platforms. <laughs> yes, the audio only, they will, they, I'm sure they can hear your emphatic movements. Guys, oh, no. um, I'm Rosie Tran. As always on Instagram, Out of the Box Rosie and Twitter at Funny Rosie. You've been listening to Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Thanks.